Welcome to Seeds of Awakening. The audio workshop experience. Boom. Working on a new slogan. My name is Forrest Daniel Dwyer. <laughs> I am alongside Kimberly Jacobson. And this week we are sharing our conversation with Devarshi Stephen Hartman. Yes. Devarshi has been a student and teacher of yoga since 1974. Boom. Boom. Um, he's dedicated his life to the study of the art and science of yoga. And he was actually the dean of the Kripalu Yoga School, if you're familiar with that, um, Kripalu, for 10 years. And then he founded his own yoga school called Pranatan Yoga School. He's graduated over 4,000 yoga teachers. That's wild. So um, he loves yoga philosophy. And specifically today, we, we jumped into the yamas and the niyamas. Um, Which was a really fun conversation to have because when it comes to yamas and niyamas, I mean, when it comes to any yogic philosophy, you could dive in and spend not just hours, but like lifetimes mm -hmm. kind of diving into the all the subtleties within some yogic philosophy. But Devarshi will give a full rundown on yamas and niyamas, but... For those who don't know, of the eight-limbed yogic path, the yamas and niyamas are the first two of those limbs. So this is a really cool cool conversation we got to have. Um, and it's a really awesome foundational place, especially if you're wanting to dive into yoga meditation or dive deeper into it. Mm -hmm. I think um, for if you don't know what the yamas and niyamas are, listen, this, can be, this is a great first experience to like open the door. And then if you do, I, I, every time I have a conversation like this, especially with a teacher like Devarshi, I am always so re-inspired to live um, with the principles of the Yamas and Yamas and also <laughs> like research them more and play with them more. So I hope yeah. in some way this conversation inspires you. There's so many places you can research and learn mm -hmm. about the Yamas and Yamas, so many amazing teachers you can experience it with it and practice with it in your life. So hopefully this can be um, a little, you know, 40 minutes of inspiration on the yamas and niyamas. Enjoy. And as always, thank you to Malachi for the song, The Woods. And we'll see you next year. Holy smokes. We'll see you next year. <laughs> Holy smokes. Um, last thing I wanted to say actually is it is always really helpful if you can leave us a review and subscribe. It does a lot. Mm. Um, and we also just launched the Be Light blog if you haven't seen it. So go to BeLightBlog.com and you can sign up. Anyway, thanks to Malachi for the song for the woods. We're with Tavarshi Stephen Hartman. Yes. Glad to be here. One of my <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> first most transformational yoga teachers. Um, and today we're going to do a deep dive. Well, not a deep dive. We're going to do um, a dive into the yamas and niyamas. And hopefully it'll be inspiring, something for you to grasp onto and, and dive into the yamas and niyamas. So I wanted to start before anything with maybe you could fill us in on kind of where the yamas and niyamas come from, why they're important. Great. Um, so first, I want to say that within um, whatever short amount of time that we have, uh, we could speak on the yamas and niyamas for 
hours and hours mm -hmm. and hours. We could yeah. do a month-long workshop on just the yamas and niyamas. We could do that on just one of the yamas and or niyamas. So my hope for this brief discussion is that we inspire people to look into them because there's many ways to access the yamas and niyamas. I'm looking at, at your book, Kim. You've got a book on the yamas and niyamas. There's many of them, short, many of them long. People can Google the yamas and niyamas. So there's lots of access mm -hmm. to the yamas and niyamas. So I hope that we can just give like a brief introduction into what they are and then, and then some inspiration about why a person would want to take on the yamas and niyamas. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, Many people think that the yamas and niyamas actually come from Patanjali's Yoga Sutras because many people today, the first time that they get a hold of the yamas and niyamas is within Patanjali's eight limbs. And the first two limbs of Patanjali's Yoga Sutras are the yamas and the niyamas. The yamas and niyamas, even though they're in Patanjali's eight limbs, they're much older than the eight limbs. So Patanjali's Yoga Sutras is somewhere like 2,200 years old, but the yamas and niyamas come from much further um, than that. And Swami Kripalu, who was um, my teacher, Swami Kripalu um, called the yamas and niyamas character building. <laughs> and he said before, I mean, it, it, you know, as always in the path of yoga, like where you start is also the beginning. Um, I, I mean, it's also the ending. Where you start is the beginning, and it's also the ending. Um, character building is the beginning, but it's also really the ending. Um, like, obviously, the results of practicing yoga should be a really refined character. Um, and so much of the Bhagavad Gita is about what does a person of character, what does a person of yoga look like? What does he act like? What do, what do they talk like? The, the yamas and niyamas, I I, I think our our entrance into what um, a yoga character looks like. Mm. So I want to say in the in the world, many times pe I've heard this. I've heard people say that the yamas and niyamas are like the Ten Commandments of yoga, and um, that always sort of I, I don't like it all because the Ten Commandments are these these things not to do. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's <laughs> wife. Thou shalt not kill. <laughs> you know um, and they don't seem to make a whole lot of sense. I mean, of course, there are things people shouldn't do kind of deal. But um, but what I feel about the yamas and niyamas is that yoga is a science. And my um, inquiry into yoga and my delight about yoga is because it is so um, scientific. It's really devoid of your personal, quote, beliefs. You can believe anything and be a yogi. And the yoga practices are going to wear away at your belief systems, whatever those are. And if they're good beliefs, you end up continuing to hold them. And if they're beliefs that can't stand up to your practice and your experience, they get challenged. Um, unlike, so the Ten Commandments are, here's a set of beliefs that you must have. That is not what the yamas and niyamas are. Mm -hmm. The yamas and niyamas are, 10 things that are basically, how I see it, scientific laws that say, if you would like to be a happy person, here's, here's the laws that you simply have to follow. So, for example, the first yama is ahimsa. So many people have heard of the word ahimsa, which means nonviolence, practicing nonviolence, not being violent. So um, Gandhi's whole 
non movement of nonviolence was based on the Yama Ahimsa, um, how to create a nonviolent movement, uh, a peaceful so movement. And I always, so so it's not saying don't be violent, you know, with a big hand. I'm shaking my finger now. <laughs> don't be violent. It's saying it's impossible to be violent to others and or yourself and be a happy person. So right. you want to begin the practice of removing violence from your being, from your character, from your actions. And that is a worthy study because the goal is, again, I want to be happy. Wow. Well, the first thing is it's pretty hard to be happy and be hurting other people and or yourself. So also the yamas, the, the word the yama and the niyama, um, often people put them down as like the things not to do and the things to do. Right. And like the do's and the don'ts of yoga. And I don't like that either because I don't think it really fits. Um, it's, it's very black and white. And I, I don't think it has the organic process that, that these tools are. I like to think of our consciousness as a garden. And the yamas are weeds that need to be pulled. And the niyamas are plants that need to be watered and nurtured. Mm. And that to me has this evolutionary, you know, it's like it's a continual process. It's not like right. a do or don't, like check, done, right. check, done. It's like your garden needs constant tending. There are things that constantly and at always, if you don't watch out, weeds can grow. Mm -hmm. And always, if you don't water them, things die if they don't get the energy. So, um, so for me, the yamas are things that need to be plucked out of our character things that need to be pulled out when we see them. And the yamas are things that need to be nurtured with our attention, our love, and our care, and our patience. Mm. Saying all of that, I also like to say that the yamas are karma creators. Those mm -hmm. are the ways to create karma. And the niyamas are the ways to clean up karma. And there are people who are creating karma, and there are people who are cleaning up karma. Now, What does that mean to create karma? Can you just... Like yeah. What are, you, what are you going? Um, well, when you create a mess, you have to clean it up or someone does. Mm -hmm. And when we create messes, like when we're violent, that's a mess. And that mess stays out there and needs to be cleaned up. There are people when you're violent that you have to apologize to, that you have to make amends to, that you have to clean up. That's karma. When you're, um, you know, practicing the niyamas and you're doing and you're in the place of giving and service as opposed to like violence is taking, mm -hmm. taking away from. And when you take away from, there's a debt that needs to be filled up. Hmm. And um, karma is basically a debt that's there waiting to be cleaned up. It's a mess that you've made that needs to be cleaned up. So quickly, I'll go through the through what the yamas are, yeah. how to create a mess. So the first one is <laughs> one wheel. <laughs> Here's how to create a Here's mess. Here's how to create a mess. It's real simple. So the first one is ahimsa, um, violence or nonviolence. And um, well, uh, I wanted to say more about that, but I'll c I'll come back to it. I'll just <laughs> list list the the five yamas. So the first one is 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 violence. Mm -hmm. Don't be violent. You know. Um, the second one is satya. Mm -hmm. truth so don't lie you know tell the truth if you lie and if you are deceiving people and you are deceiving yourself because because uh, these aren't just about others this is also about the self you're creating karma mm -hmm. that that deception is um you know uh, uh, it's a it's a debt 
that has to be um, paid off. So there's la- uh, a violent, being violent. There's lying. The next one is ashtea, stealing, mm-hmm. taking what's not yours. Okay, so that's interesting. So it says don't be violent, don't lie, don't steal. That's pretty interesting. The third one, or pardon me, the fourth one is brahmacharya. And the brahmacharya is really don't waste. That's the mm-hmm. simple um, simple way to say it. Don't waste. But brahmacharya has some other things that get um, put around it. If you're in India and someone says that they're practicing brahmacharya, it means that they're practicing celibacy. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it means that they are conserving their energy. Okay. But brahmacharya, brahmacharya, these two words are brahma is God mm-hmm. yep. and acharya is actually a teacher of God. And brahmacharya means, in truth, it means to respect everything as God, to respect this pair, these pair of glasses as God, to respect this tulip as God, to respect this glass as God. When we respect every aspect of creation as God itself, the result is we don't waste. We treat it with great respect and we don't waste. When we are wasting things, anything, time, energy, money, you know, and, and material stuff, we are not respecting God. And it is really hard to be wasteful I mean, when a person is wasteful, wasteful of energy and wasteful of God, it's karma producing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, you know, the results of practicing brahmacharya are simplicity, which is really cool. You know, right. when you practice brahmacharya, you end up being simpler, cleaner with what's in your life at every level. Also, um, the aspect of brahmacharya, I just want to tell this story about Bapaji Swami Kripalu. He had very few things. He, of course, was a renunciant. He was practicing yoga all the time. But the few things that he had, he was in complete relationship with. So the pen that he wrote with every day, he called Sister Pen. He had he had a relationship with his pen. I you know, that. it was an animate, intimate, mm-hmm. you know, thing. Because he was truly in such a high state that truly everything was God. Right. And so... Um, that to me is like the ultimate, um, what happens with the practice of brahmacharya is that it's like, oh, here's God in a cup. Well, oh, yeah. here's God in my glasses. I've heard it described as non-excess to brahmacharya, same as you're describing it, but it's, it makes more sense that way because it's like, how could you have, you know, a hundred pens just laying around if you have each one you have this relationship with, right. it becomes all of a sudden, it's like, you're going to put a lot of time and energy into those pens. Right. So... <laughs> That, yeah. mm-hmm. And in Orthodox Judaism, there is this um, holiday that Orthodox uh, uh, Jews celebrate where once a year they have to take every possession out of their home, clean it, dust it, say a prayer over it, and mm. put it back in. So um, wow. it's interesting because if we all had to do that once a year, <laughs> yeah. take everything out of our homes, dust it off, pray for it, and put it back into our homes, we would be much clearer about what passed over that threshold yeah. of our right. house. About like, wow, I, I you yeah, know, do don't I just bring, bring just keep bringing, you know, stuff, stuff, stuff. We're stuff magnets. And I have a friend, she's not an Orthodox uh, a Jew, but she's, but she's Jewish. And I believe that this tradition is in her culture because she is so 
aware and respectful of everything that she chooses Mm -hmm. to bring into her home, that it's a very clear choice. Like, wow, I'm bringing this thing into my home and I'm going to keep care of it. So she makes really conscious choices. And also when she decides to get rid of something, she doesn't just throw stuff out like, like, I do. She goes and she's like, wow, there's this beautiful thing that I've had for a long time. I'd like to sell it. She puts it on eBay. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's so fascinating, you know, that whole aspect. She's much better about what comes into her home. She's also much better about what goes out. Mm -hmm. And and I I think it's a, 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 a reflection of brahmacharya. So the last one, aparigraha, is um, really means to not covet the life of someone else and um, not to be jealous of. And I think, again, it's, it's impossible to be a happy person when we're thinking like, oh, he's really got it. Oh, if I was just had the amount of money that that person has. Oh, if I was just was born into that family, then I'd be, oh, if I just looked like that, then I would be, be, you know. And it's so easy for us to be in the realm of comparing. Mm. And when we're outside of ourselves comparing ourselves, we don't turn inward towards our own dharma. So it's fine to be inspired. It's very different to be inspired by somebody. That's not coveting. Um, somebody that's being inspired by them and saying, wow, I, I would like to be like this person. I'm going to seek that person out as my teacher, as my mentor, as my guide. Um, but, but that's not different to grasp at, at what they want. I mean, you were reading this earlier um, about how, especially in our society, everybody's like waiting to live their, ne- their life. Oh Yeah it's a similar thing. Like they're, they're waiting, like when I get there, I'll be happier. When I get there, I'll be, you know, like then I'll yeah. be where I'm when supposed you're, to When be. you're a kid, you want to be grown up. And then when you're grown up, you want to leave the house. And then once you leave the house, you want to like have a thriving career and be financially abundant. And it's like, we're always just kind of waiting for that next thing instead of just, you know, I think it was reading yeah. about Santosha, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> similar. <laughs> Well, you know, that is the plague of our world is that people are wanting to be happy rather than being happy. Mm-hmm. Right. And and wanting to be happy creates the experience of wanting to be happy and seeking to be happy. Being happy is a present moment experience mm. that requires someone going, I'm happy right now. <laughs> you know, I'm happy right here. This is it because now is it. Now is the only place where we're ever going to feel it. Mm-hmm. So all of the seeking and the striving and the working hard to get somewhere creates nothing but seeking and striving hard to get somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like if we're not giving ourselves the gift all along the way, that's a whole different ballgame. Um, so those are the yamas. Mm-hmm. Um, now what's interesting also about the yamas, which I really like, is you have to, like in the same way that we talked about brahmacharya, you know, simplifying, don't waste. But when you dig into what happens to you when you do the practices, if you really fall into respecting everything as God, the creation of that is, again, this simplicity and an awa- and awareness. That's what the practice of don't waste. Mm-hmm. It starts out, don't waste. But then it turns into, I'm living a simple, graceful life in relationship with those things that I, things that I have around me. That's cool. Mm -hmm. So also, if we go back to Ahimsa, the first one, it says, don't be violent, okay? But then if you think about what what happens, like who are we if we're not violent? What happens if we remove all of our violent or 
thoughts from our brain? What happens if we remove being violent to anybody else? And to me, the word comes up, our natural state is love. Mm -hmm. When we remove violence from our being, we are seated in being loving. And um, I always like to say, I think love, you know, 2,000 years ago had a marketing problem in the same way that it, that it does today. <laughs> love is a mischievous word, you know, so we don't want to sell like the first one. It could say practice love, you know, <laughs> but it's much easier to go remove violence, you know, right. from, from yourself. And when you do, our natural inheritance, our natural state of being, which is loving, will be revealed. Mm -hmm. So I think with each of these things, when it says not to do it, it's, it's when you weed it from your garden, the flowers of your garden will show up rather than this overcoming of, of weeds. And I'm going to make a gross generalization, but <laughs> um, in, I, I work in the realm of, of treatment and recovery with, with crystal meth addicts and, and um, alcoholics and, and addicts of all different kinds. And I'm going to, again, th this is the, of course, we have people of every walk, color, size, shape, and et cetera. However, we have a lot of people who come in who are violent. Mm -hmm. They lie. They steal. They can't be trusted. They're absolutely wasteful. And, you know, they're in constant jealousy and coveting of every every you know and that just it's like wow it's so clear to me i know the five you know five yamas and it's like hey dude you're a liar you're a cheater you're a stealer you know you're, you're wasting everybody's time money and energy and you don't value a thing and you know you wish you were somebody else like okay you mm -hmm. know where where are we going to start here you know yeah um and so i i i just love that the yamas and yamas they're not personal it's like just wow and as far as i'm concerned in the rungs of these eight limbs of yoga, you're not even on the map if you're not starting to build a good character. Like right. forget, like let's talk about, you know, yoga and postures, forget it. Like, you know, you gotta wanna be a better person and move towards your highest potential. We gotta say, I'd like to make, you know, myself into my highest potential for this life. Well, mm -hmm. here it is, start with remove violence, mm -hmm. you know, remove untruth. So, um, so we can go down from them. So Ahimsa, again, who are you when you remove violence? Loving. Then the next one, who are you when you start to really be truthful? First, again, to yourself, because it's impossible if you're lying to yourself. It's impossible to be, people who lie to others are lying to themselves. Right. So who do you become when you remove untruth from your life and when you stop lying to others? I, I do think it's interesting how the... The yamas have this way of holding each other accountable. And, and it just makes me think of this as we pull cards earlier. And it was like when in balance and when out of balance. And how they can kind of swing in both directions. Like truthfulness, but having a foundation of nonviolence to your truthfulness. And being nonviolent, but while having a foundation of, but still honor your truth. And exactly. so that's p that piece I find to be like. Because truth can be violent. Right. right. And we used to say at, at Kripalu at the ashram all the time, like the truth of that love is not the truth. Right. So, you know, right there we've just connected, like you're saying, the first two, two yamas right. of ahimsa and telling the truth. So this is a great example of how when we start to delve into practicing these, they start to reveal, um, they're self-revealing. And one of the things that I love about yoga is, a long time ago I heard a Swami say, yoga is a living science. And um, 
I thought, what does that mean, a living science? And my, my, my experience has been that with yoga, the, a little bit of truth, a little bit of yoga practice wakes up inside of a person and it starts to reveal our own true nature. It starts to live inside of us. You get a map like the yamas and niyamas mm -hmm. or you get a map like the doshas or you get a map like the, the, the um, chakras or you get a map like the koshas. Mm -hmm. And once you get those maps, all you need is a little bit of understanding that it starts to wake up this sort of aliveness where it's like, oh, things start to integrate. No, that's connected to that. No, that's, and that's what's so cool about the matrix of something that's the truth versus that doesn't really happen to me around the Ten Commandments, hmm. you know, kind of thing. They don't feel mm -hmm. like a living science. They're just these ten weird beliefs that seem <laughs> to float, you know, like unconnected to everything. And, and one of the main things why I love yoga philosophy and yoga practice is because it is this thousands of years old science. Not that old means that it's good, but it does mean that it's still around and it's time-tested. And I have a personal belief that, of course, it's come from, uh, that, it, that it is just sacred and channeled mm -hmm. material from a, a higher realm. And then it still holds truth today. You know, it's, it stands up to that, like the test of time where all of all of the yamas are still so relevant to yeah. how we are today. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that again is what happens with truth. The truth is the truth. It's it's yeah. true throughout the ages. So here we are, and wow, you know, why try and recreate the wheel? I mean, especially in our realm, we're always trying to look for the next new thing, and it's like, you know, it's pretty simple. It's 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 right here. Yeah. Yeah. I think you, I mean, I've heard you say it before too, that it doesn't just, it stands the test of time, but it also has stood, I think like the most important thing is when you start to practice it personally, it always seems to stand the test of like my personal experiences of, you know, there's a lot of things or beliefs that I've tried on and my personal experiences over time have been like, yeah, that actually it's no longer with me and it doesn't add up. But the yamas and niyamas, it always seems like, over time tested and tested again it stands up to my personal experiences and i can always look at it and be like oh yeah i need to weed my garden mm -hmm. <laughs> um, exactly you left off by saying what happens when you remove lying or you start to act in truthfulness so with ahimsa and nonviolence, it's yes. love and with satya i think a person who is truthful is authentic that the result mm. is authenticity that we can, when we are around people who are truthful and honest with themselves and others, it reads as authentic. Mm. When people, when you're around people who are liars, it's like what you see is not what you get. It's like, ooh, that's static over there. Why is this, why does this not smell right? You know, mm -hmm. something's off. And that's, you know, satya. Yeah. Um, then the third one of ashteya, not taking what is not yours and at first it's like you know that's very interesting to not steal um, and to not take what is not yours but the result again when we don't take from others is that we become self-generating we manifest from our own self and we realize at the deepest core I have everything I need I don't need it from someone else. And not only that, um, even there are times, many times in my life where I have been given gifts where it's like, 
you know, I don't really want that gift because I actually want to get there all along mm -hmm. the way. I'm mm -hmm. going to just briefly just sort of tell a weird story out of it. Perfect. Uh, yoga student. <laughs> perfect to tell a weird story. <laughs> I, have, I have many, as you know. So um, I was living in Chicago, and I had a, a bodywork client who was a very, very wealthy man. And he came to me for bodywork, uh, uh, my, my healing work. And um, one year, uh, and like I said, he was very wealthy. One year he comes to, to my house with a Christmas gift, and it was a stereo. Now, this is back when a stereo, like, speakers were big. So, I mean, like, he comes to my house, and I had had, like, this little uh, cassette tape boom box that I was playing mm -hmm. music on for my bodywork uh, clients. And he comes, and he brings a stereo that was several thousand dollars. So there was a receiver, and there's mm -hmm. a, I, an amplifier. I forget even what all the pieces were. And, you know, four big speakers. So it was like, wow, suddenly I had this sound system. And I was like, you know, I don't deserve this, and I don't want this. And this is just like, it seemed out of balance. It seemed too much. But he was like, no, 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 you don't understand. It means nothing to me. I bought a thousand of these for all of my clients. This is the Christmas gift I'm giving away to all of my clients. This means nothing to me. I'm giving it to you really because I'm, I'm giving it to myself because I want better music when I come. And you're, <laughs> you know, so really, this is really for me. So please take it, take it. So I was like, okay, so I took it. Then the next year, or maybe on my birthday, he said he had a gift for me. Came, he walked me outside and he had a car. And oh, I was like, geez. you know, um, I said, absolutely not. Uh, so he, and he really he was like, no, you need a car. And I was like, hey, I, I don't want a car. I don't need a car. I'm not paying insurance for it. I'm not, I don't want to park it. I'm like, I really was, I was not happy with that. And, and so I didn't take the car, but he was like, again, you don't understand. This isn't even, even a penny to me. This is, this, that means nothing and it could help you. And really it's totally unconditional. And like, why can't, you know, and he would work on me. Like, why can't you just receive it? Like, like, and I would think like, well, that's a good idea. Like, why can't, I mean, the universe is just yeah. trying to be nice to me. Why don't I just go, thanks. It's a car, you know? <laughs> I mean, but it wasn't, I wanted it to be unconditional. I didn't feel, I mean, like if I felt like, oh, great, thanks for the car. Like if I had won the car car in a lottery or something I'd feel free to turn around and sell the car which is what I would have done and gone like great I'll take the car and here's you know I'll turn around and sell it and you know take the twenty thousand dollars but it, it it obviously I couldn't do that so it wasn't clean and then one night we used to have this thing he would take me out to dinner which I did allow him to do because we enjoyed speaking so we would have body work and we would go out to dinner we went out to dinner and then then afterwards he said I have a surprise for you and he took me on this ride and we came to this building in Chicago and it was one of my all-time favorite buildings in Chicago. It was at the end of diversity and it overlooked the park and it had gorgeous views and it was like about 60 stories high. And we walk into the building and we're at the front desk of the building and he said, you know, I'd like the keys to the penthouse. I'm like, oh my God, this is so weird. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and they said hello and they said his name. And so all of a sudden we go up to the top of the penthouse and he shows me this beautiful penthouse with three bedrooms in my all-time favorite building in all of Chicago with the most gorgeous views overlooking the city and he says I own this building <laughs> and he said and this penthouse the people moved out and he said I want you to have the penthouse oh. you don't have to pay rent this penthouse is yours I'm just showing you I'd like you to move from your apartment you can move to this penthouse and it was like wow it's so weird this is my favorite building these are the most exquisite views this is the most this this is like the most amazing thing you know it's like and again he's like all you, you owe me nothing 
This is nothing. I just want to come here. At that time, I lived in a studio apartment, and so my house, my apartment was my bodywork office. Mm-hmm. So, like, my futon got folded up, and my table <laughs> came out, and stuff like that. So he's like, "No, if you're here, this bedroom could be your bodywork." room you know this could be your own bedroom you get a living you know like it's it's perfect and it and it was perfect and I remember looking out and actually feeling like this sort of Jesus moment where you know where uh the devil offers him the whole world kind of deal and he has a choice and I was like here I am overlooking Chicago overlooking the park the most gorgeous views and I turned to him and I said you know Bob I I really appreciate this and I would like to live in this apartment. But when I do, I'm going to get here because I earned it. I'm going to get here because I, I bought myself into this apartment, not because you gave it to me. But thank you. You know so mm-hmm. much. And, um, and I, I'm just saying that's that when we get down to ashtea of, of stealing, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, there's something that when we don't, when we really manifested ourselves, there is a self-worth mm-hmm. that we get from not needing and taking from others. And so I think self-worth is the result of ashtaya. And brahmacharya, I think a thing, the thing is, the, the result of, again, not wasting is respect, deep respect for every aspect of creation, mm-hmm. deep respect for the energy that everything is. And then third, not coveting. When we stop coveting others, we turn inward and we find our dharma. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's last. There, there, there is no accident. There's such a grace to the way that the, there's no accident that they go one, two, three, four, five. And I'm always interested in like, why is that number one? Mm-hmm. Why is love number one? You know, so just to piggyback on something you said, Kim, Swami Kripalu used to say that the yamas and niyamas are like a garland, that when you pick up one bead or one flower from the garland, you end up picking up the whole garland. There's no way to separate out the practices. If you start to practice ahimsa, it will fold into the fact that you're practicing sacha because to lie is actually being violent in some form. You know, it will fold into you know, all of the others. So, um, so I, I, I like that again in in which they wake up. So those are the yamas. Onto the niyamas. So these are things then in our garden to water. And, um, and again, I don't, I think there's incredible grace to the way that these are laid out. And that the first one is saucha, which is purity or orderly, orderliness or cleanliness mm-hmm. like um and recently i just read a book that your mom gave me um called it's not your money by tasha oh, silver. i read that too that i love yeah. love that book it's great and so tasha silver in there is talking about abundance um and it and really it's more than just it's way more than you know it's it's about being abundant and free which i really love and it's not so much about money although obviously being abundant at every level works but the first thing that she says is clean up your space Mm -hmm. clean up your space like so she really goes like like you know like the woman who does all the closets and (laughs) she's like go through all of your stuff now i think that's interesting because first place if we clean up our space we start to not waste we start to Mm -hmm. get clear we start to simplify Mm -hmm. okay 
So when Tasha was talking about this in her book, I was also reminded of a, a dear friend of mine. Her name is Sonia Choquette. And Sonia has written many books called The Psychic Pathway and other things. She teaches workshops around the world. She was a friend and, and a neighbor of mine. And Sonia, I, I took many of Sonia's workshops. And, and um, Sonia's first thing about becoming psychic, because she led workshops in how to become psychic. And she's one of the world's most renowned psychics. Um, and so her first thing is, it's impossible to be psychic if your space is unorderly and a mess mm -hmm. like so the first thing is go through your stuff because if you've got all this static outside of you there's no way you can tune into the subtleties of what's going on inside at a much subtler level level if the outside is a complete mess so again wow first thing saucha purity cleanliness orderliness like mm -hmm. put things in order now what's interesting for me i'm going to go back to this aspect of being in uh, treatment and rehab is I am constantly working with these students at all different levels and these clients at all different levels but my first thing that I ask them to practice is get out of yourself like you know you're so wrapped up in your head you're living in this little box in your head and this bad story that just keeps whining get out of yourself mm -hmm. just stop it and get out of yourself well the way to, what i'm saying is there is always something to clean there's always something <laughs> to straighten there is always something to do like look around the room here straighten up the chairs get it going you know f pick up the cigarette butts all around the fireplace you know uh, uh weed the good there's always something to make better and weirdly enough when you do the result of cleaning up, you always feel good about yourself. Mm. There's a certain part that just goes, ah, I just did something that I can visi visibly see that made this place better. And you get out of yourself, mm -hmm. you know? So so I don't think there's an, an accident that that we greases the wheels, you know? <laughs> that, that cleanliness, orderliness, and purity greases the wheels for, for getting the getting into your garden. Like if your garden is just a total mess, the first thing is look at your garden. You know, if it's a mess, clean, clean it, it up, up. <laughs> you know? It's a practice I, d I still do, I mean, I do today because I, I've heard you tell that story before. So anytime I'm feeling like in my own head or I'm, you know, just feeling like lazy and I can't get things going, I'm like, okay, first thing, let's clean something up. Let's just find <laughs> a something. Maybe it's a drawer I can find that's a mess. Like, let's just do it. It helps. Gets it you gets things going. It really does. Weese greases the wheels. <laughs> greases the wheels. Greases the wheels. So that's Saucha. Then the next one is Santosha. And again, once things are in order, then it's practice being at peace. Wow. Santosha is contentment. And again, if we're on this aspect of character building, isn't the purpose to be at peace mm -hmm. isn't the purpose to be fine with things just as they are you know and that's the trick just as they are and like you had just said kim you know so much of the world is out there i'll be at peace when right i'll be happy when you know well first get things in order then sit down and be at peace like be at your know, practice contentment now so that you can be content all along the way because if you're discontent and you work out of your discontent, it's a different creation than what happens if you are content and working to make things better all along the way also right. from a place of contentment. Right. You know, w 
when I practice santosha, I'm more patient because it's not like I'm getting anywhere. So again, we have to ask ourselves, what happens? You know, when we practice um, uh, 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 saucha, orderliness and cleanliness, we get a sense of self-esteem and self-worth just by like, wow, I make a difference around me. When we begin to practice contentment, it's like, wow, I can stop striving. I really am enough. I'm enough just as I am. I have everything I need to go, God loves me. The world is okay. I, I, it's fine that everything is out of control in the world because mm-hmm. it is and it's beyond my control. But my contentment and my peace is within my control. Mm. So that's yeah. that's pretty cool. It is interesting to see some difference when you create from a space of Santosha and when you create from a space that's you think is Santosha <laughs> because you can see like when it when it comes from a space that's not content, you can then you're like grasping it. It is there's a little bit of like muddiness to it. Things aren't clear, they're not entirely truthful, opposed to when like inspiration just comes from from contentment, everything is in line, and it just like flows so effortlessly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as you, as you were speaking, I was thinking too of I, d- I don't know why this image came of like applying for a job. You know, there's a big difference when someone's applying for a job and they they need it or want it so badly um, that they'll do anything, include not necessarily be themselves, kind of deal, versus someone who comes in and says, you know. I'm interviewing you too <laughs> to see if this is really right for me. Right. You know, I'm content just with who I am and I'm I'm interested in what you have to offer and what I can offer to you. You know, like so there that's like an example of how not not how being discontent can actually not help us get what it is mm. that we want. Yeah. Um It's a strong sense of character to be able to step into situations. With and that. we can, again, feel it, and I always love the word smell because I think there's something beyond our sight and our touch where it's like, you know, when someone's discontent, you smell it. Mm. And, and, that, and discontent can breed, you know, and contentment is, um, breeds also. It's very attractive. Mm. It, has a, it has a charisma to it. So then the final three, and I put them all together because uh, tapas, um, uh, and um, Svadhyaya and Ishvari Pranadana, these these last three of the Niyamas, they're often put together. And actually in um, Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, he talks about these three as really they're it, okay, in terms of um, moving forward. And again, in terms of, quote, clearing karma. So once we clean up our space and get orderly and make a difference with things around us and have a decent self-esteem. And once we start to practice some level of contentment, then we're on, now we're going to throw ourselves into um, some practice. And tapas I would put down as practice. And tapas means um, creating some grist for the mill, some fire, some, some rubbing up against that is going to create some friction that's going to cause growth. Here's the cool thing about tapas, though. Tapas is chosen versus um, forced, okay? Tapas is self-chosen, and there's a big difference. So, for example, um, 
I was just this example is just coming to me now. I was talking again in my treatment center the other day about a process that of psychodrama that we do at our treatment center because many of the people, I would say most, and I say most because I think everybody has trauma in their life, whether you're an addict or not. But many people are addicts because they're not facing the trauma that they're mm -hmm. in dealing with. And in order to not face the trauma, they get drunk or stoned so that they <laughs> don't have to feel and face, face the trauma. So going to the root cause is going like, wow, I have unresolved trauma here in, in, in my, um, you know, uh, in, in my uh, uh, being. So I was saying to them that, that when we create a psychodrama, a psychodrama is not, because they were scared of, of the psychodrama, rightfully so, and it felt mysterious and magical. And I'm like, this isn't mysterious or magical. Here's all that's happening. We're creating in a safe environment. We're creating events that trigger or resemble or exaggerate a possible past trauma in your life. So for example, you might be sharing with us, you know, I feel really held back from my mom and I feel like she's strangling me in my life and we're and we're listening as you're talking and then we go, "Okay, great. Choose someone here who represents your mother." All right, great. Now she you said you feel like she's strangling you. All right, just mother, would you just take your hands and put them around his neck and of course you're not going to strangle him, but just sort of look grimacing. All right. And now somebody else, you come back and you said your mother was holding you back. Let's physically hold you back now. Now we're going to hold you back and we're putting you in this situation safely to stimulate you into an opportunity to feel and exaggerate and, and delve into a possible feeling from the past. How does mm -hmm. that feel? How does it feel in your body? How do, what's coming up? What thoughts are coming up? You know? so, um, but the trick is, the reason why it's not re-traumatizing is we're not in the environment. You know, we've created it. It's a simulation. It is an opportunity for us to look at ourselves and to explore in a safe environment. When we choose tapas, because the world, life is constantly throwing us grist for the mill wh that we're not asking for. You know, why did I, oh, I just lost my job. Oops, I just got cancer. Oops. Uh, okay, so that's tapas, but it's different than the tapas that we choose. Okay, so um, when you're choosing tapas, you are putting yourself into these environments that you might not normally, you might be forced into by life, but you're putting yourself in them by choice. And you're putting them s yourself into it with awareness and um, for the purpose of change. And the result is that you clean up a lot of karma and a lot of past and a lot of resisted creations through chosen tapas, which mm. is the purpose of real practice, to say, I'm going to put myself in here deliberately so that I can clean this up so that the world doesn't have to, the universe doesn't have to create it unconsciously mm. for me and slap me in the face. So for some, that could be as as simple as going to therapy would exactly. that be that's okay. a that's a tapas yes i'm gonna weekly go to therapy and my thing about tapas is i say so much of tapas practice is just the art of practice itself it doesn't even matter what you're practicing you know the art of practice itself will bring up so much so i mean the practice could be completely meaningful and for some reason i always choose this um <laughs> this example it's like let's say you said to yourself this year i'm going to practice picking my nose five <laughs> minutes a day you know every day of the week 
right away you've set yourself, okay, five minutes a day, I gotta pick my nose. So then you start picking your nose and you're like, oh God, I'm two minutes into it and I wanna stop. And oops, I forgot to pick my nose today. And oops, wait, maybe there are better ways to pick my nose. Oops, <laughs> my nose is getting sore. I mean, like you start to learn so much about any practice, you start to learn a lot just because you've made a commitment and you've put yourself in the grist of I've just made a commitment. Um, at Kripalu, we used to take, um, they were called Shiv Resolves. Shiv Resolves are, are commitments that you make to God, and we often, our Shiv Resolves were a year and a quarter. Um, so one full year and then a quarter. And it was like, the thing was said, like, don't make a Shiv Resolve if you're gonna, this isn't like a New Year's resolution. You know, like if you break a promise to God, it's a big deal. So don't promise it if you don't intend on, mm. you know, keeping it, mm -hmm. you know. So like don't just like, I really want to lose weight, so I'm going to make the things. And, 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 you know, of course, you know, three weeks into it, you know, like all gone. Reaching for a cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> Reaching for a cheeseburger. So um, so achieve resolve is very different than that. It is a real promise to God and to yourself. And um, so... Uh, but within that, that's immediate tapas, and um, and I think they're amazing to put put ourselves into tapas. So that's the first of the three. The second is swadhyaya, which means self study. But again, when we put ourselves into tapas and into practice, again forces us to be that witness in our practice. Sorry, I was just it does jumping ahead. Yeah, yeah. So that <laughs> yes. So swadhyaya practice that forces us to watch ourselves mm -hmm. because that's all practice means. If something becomes a practice, what it means is I'm now going to hold up the mirror while I do this thing. Like you can say, wow, I'm going to, um, I'm going to make um, my whole process of eating a practice now, make it more conscious, which means now I'm going to really watch what I eat. I'm going to watch where I buy it. I'm going to watch what's in it. I'm going to watch how I make it. I'm going to watch how I am and who I am while I eat it. I'm going to watch how I feel afterwards. You know, I'm going to watch the effects of, of my health. So you turn the light on of Swadhyaya, self-study. You are watching yourself. So um, I also, it lights up this principle. And I use this again a lot in my practice at, um, at my treatment center, which is what I consider a natural law. And I will often say to my clients there, look, who you're being now is who you are all the time. You know, like, so, you know, when you've got Swadhyaya, you're watching yourself and you're like, oh, so here you are, you're here for, you know, 30 days at the treatment center. And while you're here, you're not coming to meetings and you're not showing up and you're not really giving anything. You're waking up late and you're resistant to everything. It's like, you know, that should be interesting to you because who you are here is who you are out there too, you know, but it's interesting how it's they don't get, they don't get it. You know, it's like, no, it's not, it's not, it's about you. I'm not coming yeah. to the meeting because you're, no, I'm tired. No, I'm this. And they think that they're consciously making decisions, but they're not watching themselves. There's no witness consciousness yeah. really on board watching who they're being. So when we start to do tapas, tapas creates more of the ability to watch the self. Swami Kripalu said, the highest form of yoga is establishing non-judgmental, compassionate witness consciousness, which is watching yourself. It's the watcher. Non-judgmental, compassionate self-observation is witness consciousness. The highest form of yoga is establishing 
a continual watcher. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, it's just so obvious. Once you, again, you get the science, it's so obvious when you're with a person who's watching themselves versus when you're with a person who's not watching themselves. And it's like, it's the difference when we say that person's conscious, really conscious, and that person's so unconscious. The person who's conscious is a person who's there. They're there, they're, they're present, they're watching themselves. They're watching when they lie, they're watching when they laugh, they're watching when they're good, they're watching, you know, naughty or nice, just because <laughs> it's Santa time, you know. Um, you know and, and that's really cool to have that witness consciousness online. Now, the way that it's linked to the next one is, the last one is Ishvari Pranadana, you know, which is, and God is everything, everywhere, and throw yourself into devotion and all of this, you know, in, in like Patanjali says, there's two ways to get enlightened. One is continual struggle over long <laughs> periods of time. So that's one way. Lots of tapas, lots of hard work, mm -hmm. lots of practice over long periods of time. The other way is, or instantaneous bop on the head, <laughs> instantaneous enlightenment, Boop. instant realization. <laughs> and as I always like to say, I mean, which of those two do you prefer? I mean, Long I would struggle. like a bop on the head. <laughs> yeah. But I would like it done in the kindest way right. possible. A gentle bop, right. <laughs> Just a gentle bop. <laughs> so all of us would, of course, like, yeah. the, like the bop on the head and the mm -hmm. go, like, boom, instantaneous realization. And we've all had them, you know, where, boom, in an instant, something is shift, shifted. A new awareness happens. A new wakefulness happens. A new ins insight, you know, uh, uh, realization happens. And what, uh, this is saying is Ishvari Pranadana, the grace of the Lord, the grace of our faith, that all is happening just as it should, opens the doorway to more of those instantaneous realizations and gifts of grace that come mm -hmm. to us. But again, it's no accident. Tapas is first, create the practice and put yourself into some hard work and discipline and, and which turns on the light of self-awareness and of watching, which opens up the fact that God is with you all the time, all the, all the where. And this is the other thing about that self-awareness all the time. I say again uh, uh, to my kids and, and, and to my clients, like, okay, so first, of course, you're watching yourself, but also, if you have a belief in God, whatever that is, higher power, and I, I don't you know, believe in a white man in the thing, but if you have a belief in God, that there is God consciousness watching everything that you do, every thought, every action, every inhale, every exhale, it's like, wow, that God consciousness, there's no way to not have that God, believe in that God consciousness and not have that filter into your own consciousness. And when you cultivate swadhyaya, self-study, watching the self, it creates that, and God is watching you all the time. And not, again, this God with a, a wagging finger waving, finger, yeah. you know, <laughs> punitive fire and brimstone, but a loving, aware consciousness is present all the time. And those two are, are linked. Mm. Um, so that's... The weeds to pull, the stuff to water, and of course, Ooh. there's so much more than all there's of that. But um, we and we know you you have a, a weekend of training to get to, so definitely want to uh, respect time. But what is a great resource, Maybe like your number one resource you'd recommend for people who want to 
start diving in a little more? Hmm. Um, well, it, it's so interesting because I don't have at this point like a present, uh, a present favorite book that yep. I would go, oh, this book is just one that really turned me on. Um, and I'm actually glad about that because I, I feel like, um, like what I said, the yamas and niyamas in and of themselves are, are like even at the simplest level light up within a person. So I think there's so many ways to get into them. And I'm looking at the book that you mm -hmm. have, and I think it's a great book. I've read that book. And, um, and again, it's great to get other people's um, opinions and insights about the yamas and niyamas. And again, what I love about yoga science is they're just other people's opinions. Don't take anything as the right or wrong answer. Let them wake up inside of you. Let mm. somebody else's ideas be inspirational. Yeah. Let them point the way. Let them light you up. But they're not necessarily the truth. Yeah. So I kind of like the idea of like follow the open doors, but then always make sure you just go deeper into that open door. You know, follow the things that, that spark the inspiration. And, and in our yoga teacher trainings, we ask people to choose to begin with, one yama or niyama that lights yeah, them I up. Like this practice. And it's a, it's a great practice. Mm -hmm. If you just decide, wow, I'm really going to take on satya, you know, and begin to delve into what that's like, then it begins to open up uh, an inquiry um, that travels into many other areas. Awesome. So, yeah. you know, you can't go wrong. I mean, even today, I, it's my favorite thing to say about everything. Google them. <laughs> you know, like well, you just learned about Amazon. So. <laughs> That's true. That Amazon them. <laughs> Amazon them. That would be interesting. Ooh, that's great. Amazon for the, for the Amazon. Well, I'm sure they have so many books on the Amazon and the Amazon. <laughs> I was just saying you can buy them, you know. Oh, buy the yamas and yeah. the yamas. Oh, I want, pu I want purity today. I'd like to buy uh, <laughs> I just heard there's a sale going on on Brahmacharya. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I know you're about to go and lead a yoga teacher training this week uh, in a couple, couple of minutes. So thanks for doing this, and we'll maybe have you back on at some point. I would love that, and um, I'm really glad to be with you. I'm glad to be with you, and, and uh, look, I'm so glad you're doing this and bringing all of this uh, platform to people so that people can tune in and um, hopefully get lit up in some way. Get lit up. <laughs> get lit up. Get lit. <laughs> get, get lit. Get a bit. Get, you know, do some character building. All right. Get some tapas. Bye. Bye. <laughs>